All right, but uh, if you have your Bibles with you, why don't you go to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. Uh, Last uh, Sunday morning, we were in Romans 16, I think. For some reason, we just can't get out of the book of Romans. And uh, we're spending a lot of time in that book. Matter of fact, I'll tell you that you could read the book of Romans over and over and over and over and over again, like every other area of the Bible, pretty much. And But Romans especially just has so much in teaching. There's so much that is instructing and and really bringing to life the truths of God's Word that apply to me personally and to you personally. And and that's why it's one of those, just like you can read, you can read a Proverbs a day, 31 chapters in Proverbs, read, read a Proverbs a day, and you'll cover every single month. Now, some months you'll have to read a couple of chapters towards the end, to finish it out uh, all the way, but um, there's not a month out there that doesn't have that has more than 31 days. So you got 31 uh, every single month. You could read through the book of Proverbs, and no matter how much you read through it, there's always going to be at least a verse, if not a few verses, that make just a really major and and perfect timing application for that day. It's a, just amazing how the book of wisdom, book of Proverbs. Uh, just tends to constantly be over and over accurate, uh, just proving again that this is not a novel. <clears throat> this is a living book. And uh, it is always accurate. It always applies no matter what generation or age you are in. It applied back when it was originally penned by men led by the Holy Spirit as to what to write. And uh, it, it has applied every single time from the first churches who read the first letters to those of us now that are reading it, uh, looking back to what was placed down for us. And so uh, it is a powerful book, uh, and the book of Romans especially, a powerful book as a whole, but the individual books within the Bible, each of them have a very solid and, and, and uh, specific purpose of why God put it together for us. But the book of Romans is just powerful in so many different aspects. And, and this morning, um, it, it don't, don't expect it to be like it was last week, all right? That was um, unique. Y'all can already tell I'm a little bit different in, in atmosphere than it was last week. Not, not nearly as heavy a thought on me. Matter of fact, I begged God to not let me preach this one this morning. I know, right now you're like, uh-oh. <laughs> um, but... I've had this one on my heart for a long time, and and he's never given me clear direction to go this way until um, we got to get leading up to this morning. So we're going to look at Romans 14 and and verse number 7 to verse number 13, and uh, there's not a, well, I'll be careful saying that, there's not a great deal of message that I have on paper but we are going to go to a couple of passages of Scripture that will kind of build, I believe, a very important premise and thought for us this morning. And I'm going to go ahead and before I read these passages, I'm going to go ahead and give you the title. Don't get offended. Stay with me until we get all the way through this. I know it'll be a help to every one of us. The title this morning is simply this Who is bearing your baggage? This doesn't sound like a fun one at all, does it? 
But who's, who's bearing your baggage? Now, I've got a story to tell you that'll be a lot of fun to listen to, so that'll help maybe ease some of it. But um, here in Romans chapter 14, verse number 7 down to verse number 13, let's look and see uh, what, what is in, in God's Word here in this passage of Scripture. Starting in verse number 7, it says, For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For, it, uh, for, for to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and living. But why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set at naught thy brother, for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, he is, he is dealing with saved individuals. He is dealing with here those who know Christ personally as their personal Savior. And he is dealing specifically. That's why he's saying, whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. He's not just trying to blanket and say that all of mankind belong to the Lord. You're all taken care of from the very beginning. No, sin is a separator, and if you've never dealt with sin, you've never realized that Christ died for that sin, and we must place our faith and trust in Christ for the forgiveness of the guilt of sin for eternity. If you've never done that, then you are a creation of God, but you are not necessarily a child of God. And therefore, when he's talking about that whether we live or die, we are the Lord's, he is speaking to those who have already settled eternity. They've already accepted Christ as their personal Savior, which is why he's also referring to the fact that we, in verse number 10, for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. This is not the great white throne judgment of the lost. This is the judgment seat of those that believe in Christ, are a child of God, have placed their faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone. They've been forgiven of their sin. They are now in the family of God. They will one day dwell, as the song was saying, talking about there's a, there's a home waiting. There, there's a, a place being built for me um, where I will dwell with God for all eternity. And that's only because of what Christ has done in my life and done for me by accepting him as my savior. Um, but there is still a judgment coming for all those who know Christ as their savior. Not to be judged for, this, for, their, for, for our sins concerning eternity, that's been settled through Christ. But being judged based off of that which we have done, was it for our savior or was it in and for the fleshly nature of receiving what we want here on earth? Uh, Jesus himself taught about it, talking about how there are those who have received their reward. They have their reward. They did it for man's eyes. They did it for man's praise. They did what they did, even if it was in the name of God. They did what they did for man to lift them up. And it is said, it tells us in God's word, they have their reward because they received it down here. But lay up for yourself treasure in heaven. And that treasure in heaven is, I believe, where the judgment seat of Christ is really going to play a big role in the life of all those who've received Christ as their Savior. 
this is, again, I'm going to give you the decorology version of it because um, people can have different opinions. The Bible in some areas is not specifically clear on some things, but it does give some general understanding. And we do know that in heaven we will receive gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, and stubble. Six different rewards for the work that we have done, not to earn salvation, the work we have done as a child of God, whether it was truly for Christ or whether it was more for our own lifting up in our lives. And so that reward, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, and stubble, we also know that the Bible says that there are crowns received. What kind of crowns are they? I don't know. What are they going to look like? I don't know. It just says there, there are crowns, and I've never preached on them yet, but there are uh, uh, several different crowns mentioned that the child of God can earn crowns. There's a crown of life. There, there's many others, but there are crowns that can be earned but let me ask this question. I know I've preached some of this before to a degree, but for all of us here this morning, when we stand before a holy God, we stand before the judge of all the earth, we stand before the king of kings and lord of lords, who do you think is going to be wearing crowns? Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Those are given to us. But the Bible says that the kings of this earth will cast their crowns, will lay their crowns at his feet because they're unworthy to wear a crown in, in, in the, the, the presence of the king of kings. May I say, I believe the child of God, this is decorology side of it, I believe the child of God has a chance in this life to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves cannot break through and steal, as we are told in God's word, but to lay up treasures, but not treasures so that we can have all those things that for some reason elude us on earth. Um, I don't have any mansion down here, but wait one day, I'm going to have myself a mansion all to myself, by myself, and ain't nobody going to be invited. That's not really the purpose of it. By the way, why would you need a bedroom and a bed and comfortable blankets and all that kind of stuff? You're not going to sleep. There is no night. Now, I don't know about you, but you try to sleep in the daytime, that's not very fun. That there is no night because the Lord's the light. Now, I'm off my topic, but y'all just hold with me. I'm getting there. This is all actually, it's all part of the topic. We're getting there. But here's the thing. All this stuff that we, 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 we go after and we try for, and, and I know I, I, I preached a message a good while back on real estate Christianity. You know, we're always trying to sell heaven. Don't you want a piece of it? <laughs> okay, we don't, we don't need to sell people on the idea of heaven. We don't need to sell, sell property on heaven, you know. Um, what we need to do is we need to get people to understand what heaven's really all about. It's about being in the presence of holy God without ever being separated again. That's what it's about. Heaven's not heaven because of gold. Heaven's not heaven because of uh, gates of pearl. Heaven's not heaven because of a mansion. Heaven's not heaven because of all the different jewels and all the different rewards that I'm going to reap unto myself or the crowns that I'm that's not That's not what makes it heaven. Heaven is the fact that we are in God's presence and never to be separated from him again. That's what makes heaven, heaven. But as a child of God, understand, we, we will, and, and, and as, as Paul is pointing out here and, and, and stating, there, 
there is a judgment coming for every child of God. And I don't believe it's going to be one of great rejoicing as a whole because I believe we'll get to experience some very serious loss. I personally believe the tried by fire, the gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, and stubble, all tried by fire, and that which did not turn to ashes gets purified even greater than it was prior to the fire. I believe all that's going to take place personally at the judgment seat. I believe we're going to stand before a holy God and all of our works that we did in his name are going to be brought in and laid before and God's going to go, what survives? And I believe that is where, besides watching those that we should have reached have to be cast from God's presence because they were not his children. He did not know them. They were not written in the Lamb's book of life. The ones I could have reached, but I had other more important things to do. Besides that, drawing about a great amount of sorrow and tears from me, I do believe seeing the loss of what I thought was so important, what I thought I did for him, to see how much goes up in ashes and how much I have left, and here, here decorology, I believe to cast back at his feet. All my rewards, why do I need them? The gold, the gold is the streets. That's, I mean, they're, they're paved with it. Why do I need gold? Why do I need money? Why do, I don't need it. He is my everything. I don't need any of this. All those material things we think are so important don't matter in his presence. Except for, I would have something to cast back at his feet and say, you loved me. I also love you. Now, that's not totally where I'm going, but it does bring about the understanding of what Paul is doing here in pointing out that we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Hey, we're all going to get judged. So he continues on. Y'all still with me? Verse, uh, Romans 14, verse 11. It says, For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Let us not, therefore, judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. So now, we're, this is not a message on, don't judge, <laughs> You want a message on, on what the Bible says about judgment, we probably wouldn't like it. Um, but the Bible doesn't teach us not to judge. It actually teaches us to judge righteous judgments. Discretion is judgment. You make judgments every single day. It's a part of life. But what this is talking about, this goes back to the beam and the moat, you know. <laughs> Why are you trying to help your brother take a moat out of his eye when you've got a beam sticking out of yours? Um, it's talking about being pharisaical in our judgment or our quote-unquote discernment of things. And what he's saying is stop focusing so much on your brother. Stop focusing so much on those around you. Stop focusing on the problems that are obvious. And yes, you're probably reading properly in the, in the sense of every single one of us got problems. Anybody want to agree to that? Okay, every single one of us got our problems. We have our issues and some of them are not nearly as hidden as we think they are. But that's not the point. 
that's not where the focus should be. Matter of fact, we'd be, we'd be better off if every single one of us would turn around and just take a mirror and look and do an examination and make sure that there's nothing about my life, nothing about what I'm doing that would cause another to stumble. The Bible also talks about if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged. If we would just do some judgment personally on ourselves, we'd have less being portrayed improperly. We have less causing an issue for others improperly. And we would be more of what Christ desires us to be every single day. A a visible path to that which is right. Our life can blaze a trail for others to follow to that which is right, to Christ, to his word, or uh, it can become a stumbling block. Now, with that, I want you to understand this morning the, the title of the message, Who is Bearing Your Baggage, weighs into what Paul is talking about. Not being a stumbling block to those that follow us. Not being a stumbling block to those whom we influence around us. Uh, Henry Ward Beecher made this statement, the humblest individual, or he's talking about the lowest individual, the least of the least individual, exerts some influence either for good or evil upon others. And nobody watches me. (laughs) I don't care if you're jobless, homeless, and everybody considers you a, a waste to society, somebody is still influenced by your life. Somebody is encouraged by what they see. Somebody is either discouraged or encouraged. Regardless, no man liveth to himself, no man dieth to himself. As a child of God, especially, if you know Christ your Savior, we have a responsibility because we are His. We live unto Him. We die unto Him. We are the Lord's, no matter if we live or we die. Paul Paul talked about that. But regardless, every single person is influencing someone else with their baggage with their life. Well, let me pray, and then I'm going to tell you a little story, and I'll give you the, the, the final part of all this. Time has gotten much further than I wanted it to go already. But, um, but let, me, let me pray and ask the Lord to help us with this, and then we'll jump in and, and try, to, try to wrap this up this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the chance to be here. Thank you for your word, the fact that we can dig into it, we can look at what you have for us. So would you help us to do a personal examination? Would you help us to be open-minded, Open our hearts to the truth of your word. May we do that examination within our lives and say, Lord, is there anything that would be a hindrance to someone else who might follow my example? Would you help us, Lord, to see the truth and respond appropriately to it? There be one here that doesn't know Christ as their personal Savior. The best influence that they could ever be is to show anyone around struggling with that same Uh, understanding, not knowing where they're going to spend eternity, not knowing Christ is their Savior, but if one would say, that's my need, and step forward, Lord, the encouragement that is to the child of God, but also the encouragement is to others who are struggling, blazing that trail of there is only one hope, and I need Christ. Lord, would you give us uh, direction as to what it is that we need this morning? May be faithful to receive the truth of God's word. We ask it all in Christ's name. Amen.
And uh, this morning, let me, let me give you a little story that backs, this is the fun part, okay? Y'all, y'all can let your hair down, you can, you can breathe a little bit for a moment. Um, when I began to read that passage and I began to think of, uh, I, I like examples, it makes it a lot, a lot easier to, to remember stuff when you have funny stories that didn't happen to you, right? Uh, they're always funny when they didn't happen to you. But um, when, when we went to, I, I got a chance to go to Jamaica. I've mentioned it before. I've been to several different countries, been to the Philippines, been to Jamaica, been to Nigeria. And, uh, and in going to these different places, you always get great experiences. If you've never been on a missions trip and uh, you know, I just don't know if I could do it, listen, you have to. You've, you'll never known what a story is until you have a missions trip story. You'll always get one. It's like, that's why I don't want to go because I don't want one of those things. <laughs> but... They're, they are fun in the moment, maybe not so much, but later on they give you hours of endless memories to share. And, um, and here's one that, that uh, did not necessarily happen to me, but I got to witness it. It, it, it was really bad for our preacher. How many, many, many of y'all remember Brother Rusty Silvertooth? He preached our missions conference this past February. And uh, that is our pastor from Louisiana, not, not pastoring anymore due to health reasons and stuff. But, um, but Brother Rusty, before, I don't, I don't know, when was that? Uh, 2016, 17, 17, 2017, um, we all made a trip and I was excited because it, it was going to be myself and uh, my pastor. There was another man that, uh, an evangelist that we've known for years and also known our pastor for years. His name was Don Crosswhite. And yes, I, my wife's like, are you going to give names? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to give names. Um, uh, but Don Crosswhite is, uh, he's a character. I'll just tell you that he is a character. And, um, and he, he loves putting together these trips to go over to foreign mission fields and he organizes everything and he gets, he's kind of like your guide through that country. And he's been to Jamaica tons of times and he has all these connections and these different churches he schedules for the people that come with them. And it can be a lot of fun. And so we put together a trip, me, uh, our, our pastor, Brother Rusty Silvertooth and our song director, Brother Mike Powell and a few other folks that came with us. And so we put this trip together. We're going to go to Jamaica. And we did, we went to Jamaica. And uh, we got there. I don't know if, I think Preacher had been over to the Philippines a few times, stuff like that, but, but never a trip, I don't believe. No, he went to India with Brother Don Crosswhite. He should have known better. Um, but, but we went to, got to Jamaica. And, uh, of course, Brother, Brother Crosswhite, he, he's familiar with the place. He's been there tons of times. So him, it's just second nature. He hops in. He does this. He goes there. And uh, one thing we learned very quickly, once we got to Jamaica, you know, you're in other territory. You're not at home. You're not comfortable and you're walking through trying to figure out, where am I supposed to be? Please, Lord, don't let me get lost. <laughs> and, um, and you know, even before COVID-19, there was customs and there's all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, there was, sometimes it was just a pain. And we, uh, we got to Jamaica. We offloaded. We got into the airport. We were trying to get all the way through the stuff and, and through customs. And, uh, of course, everybody has baggage, right? We all have some that we carry with us on the plane. And then, of course, there's the stuff you pick up, and then you go through customs to get into the country. Well, someone had a great idea. And, uh, and they said, listen, instead of all of us trying to pull all of our stuff together, they got these big carts. Big, huge, kind of like going to Lowe's, those big, huge carts you put all the big stuff on. And so they had a big old cart, yeah, like that. And, um, and so stacked all this, they said, let's put all of our luggage on a one thing and you just carry your carry-on, that way we can, we can this was, I think it was Don Crosswhite came up with this. 
because he wanted to move fast. He didn't want to stay anywhere very long. He wanted to get through, get through now, and get going. And uh, so, again, he's comfortable with it. He knows exactly where he's going. He knows what he's doing. And so, Brother Don Crosswhite, we get all this stuff. We pack it all up. He's all right, somebody grab the buggies. And he, boom, he just took off. Like, follow me. (laughs) You know, you're only leading if somebody's actually keeping up. Um, If you get out there and you're by yourself, you're no longer leading anyone. They got lost, okay? And, uh, and, I mean, he just, he's gone. He's going so fast, he leaves his wife behind. And, uh, I mean, he's just, he just trucking it. He's moving. And, um, and so we're getting all through this stuff. We're walking through the airport, get over towards customs, and he get, he's the first one up there, does all this stuff, lays it all out. Of course, he has almost nothing with him because why? It's all in the buggy. So he's getting all through, and he goes right on through, and then the next person, next person. Most all of us get all the way through, and, and we're like, you know, we're, we're trying to keep up with him. Somebody's trying to, we need to put him on a leash because he was taken off. And, uh, and I mean, he's gone, and so we finally get through customs, and, well, we thought we all got through customs. And we get through there, and all of a sudden, we're like, we're going to cross He's like, I see him over there. He's like, hurry up, y'all. So we take off, and we're trying to follow him. We all get out, and we're almost to the van almost to the place where we're going to get in this van, we're going to take off. And he turns around and like, where's our stuff? Who's got the buggy? Who didn't keep up? Brother <laughs> Don Crosswhite. And, um, and so he's all, he's all up in a tizzy, we're like, and he's like, where's Preacher? I don't know. I barely know where I am. I mean, I don't know where everybody else is. And uh, he's like, well, we're missing Preacher and we're missing our baggage. Well, one and one actually still equals two. So um, we possibly have a problem here. So we all go back into the airport. We all head back down towards, we're looking all the different places. He didn't stop at the bathroom. There's nothing sitting over here. And we work all the way back to customs and we find him. We find him. Pastor Rusty Silvertooth, who got stuck with the baggage, you know, he just, he's a pacifist. He's a very calm, he doesn't, you know, he just grabbed Somebody need to grab it, so he just grabbed it. He's just pushing this stuff along, trying to keep, you know, big old, trying to keep up with all of it, all right? He gets to customs, and he's got everybody's baggage. And they decide he looks suspicious. <laughs> and uh, here, now, he does not do very uncomfortable situations very well. On top of that, he hasn't got a clue what's in everybody's baggage. And Brother Crosswhite has cameras, and he has all this different stuff he carries with him, and who knows what else he's trying to smuggle in. And, uh, and so, and Brother Mike Powell, he's, he's known for having his knives and all that kind of stuff, and he, he, he makes knives and stuff and gives stuff away, and I guarantee you, I'm pretty sure he had a few stuff in his luggage and, uh, and here they are, they're unzipping every single bag. And they're not neatly setting and looking and digging. Oh, no, not for Pastor Silvertooth. Uh-uh. I mean, when you tell somebody your name is Rusty Silvertooth, you're automatically, they're like, say what? You try, you try to pull something? Rusty Silvertooth. Ha, ha, ha. You could have done a little bit better than a weird name like that. All right, but here he is. He's in customs. He can't get through. 
They had the entire wall over there with all the stuff and everything. He's like, oh, I don't know what to do. And, I mean, he got stuck with the baggage. And he was freaking out. He was about to lose. He didn't know what to do. But the cross white goes over there. It takes forever. They finally get everything back in. He gets them all the way through. But here's the problem. The big problem. It wasn't. Now, for all the rest of us, by the time we figured out what was happening, everything was going to be okay. They're putting it all back in. He's going to be getting out of there. We're all on the other side of the glass over here already through customs. And we're snickering. We're laughing. It's funny because it didn't happen to us. But poor preacher. I mean, he was beside himself lost with everybody else's baggage. He didn't have a clue what was in it and didn't know why in the world it was all so heavy, but he's like, I don't know what to do with this. And then he got, he got waylaid with, with customs. And they thought he was guilty of trying to smuggle all this. Stuff. What are you doing with all this baggage? Well, I'm actually with the whole group. Where are they? I don't know. Where are y'all going? Out there? <laughs> I don't know. I'm with this guy called Don Crosswhite. Where is he? I don't know. <laughs> and so here he is. I mean, he is absolutely strung out to dry. And, uh, and, and he's got all the problems and he has no answers because it's not, I mean, his bags, he knew what to do with. The rest of them, he didn't have a clue what to do with that stuff. But he got stuck with it. And it caused him a lot of trouble. He was about ready to go home before he even got out of the airport. He's like, I'm just going home. I'm going home. Just forget this. <laughs> now, it's funny, and, and I still look back and I want to laugh about it all, but the problem was it's a very, it's a very, very powerful lesson when you think about it. Because when you look at life, every single one of us have baggage. We do. The Bible talks about many different things, but there are things that affect people from our life. I'm going to give you these very quickly, and I'm, I'm not even going to take you to these passages of Scripture, but if you're, if you're writing these down, go ahead and write down these passages and go back and read them for yourself. You'll see what I'm talking about. But people are affected by things in our lives that some of those things, we had the ability to make a, a better option. We had the ability to, to give something uh, better to pass along. But people are affected by at least three main things we see in the Bible, by our decisions. No man liveth to himself, no man dieth to himself. Yes, we are the Lord's, but as a whole, people are watching us. People are following example. People are sometimes, may I say, some children are having to deal with baggage that isn't theirs. Some, some homes are dealing with baggage that isn't there. That's why we, we teach young people all the time, at least I do, teach them all the time, listen, if you'll just wait, 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 wait. Everybody else is doing it. Wait! Because if you can go into a marriage without the baggage, it's going to be so much better. Because when you go into that marriage, you're not the only one carrying that baggage. The one you are now with also has to help carry that baggage. And it wasn't theirs to begin with. Everything in life that we do, all of our decisions creates baggage. 
Some of it's a blessing. Some of it's not so much. Children of Israel, Numbers, and don't turn there, but just write it down because it's the sake of time. But Numbers chapter 13, verse 31 through chapter 14, verse number 4, gives you uh, the time frame of when the children of Israel sent spies into the land. And those spies came back out of the land, and Caleb and Joshua said, it's everything God said. Let's go take it like he said we could. Because he's going to be with us. He's going to fight for us. Every promise he has made, we can depend on. Let's go. And then there was a whole other group. Ten of them, the Bible says, came back and gave an evil report, which will actually play into our last point here in just a moment. But they gave an evil report. And through their evil report, the children of Israel decided in, in, in the early parts of chapter 14 of Numbers, uh, they decide that we're not doing this. We're not going in. We're not about to put ourselves into a place where they're going to just stomp us like grasshoppers. Why would we want to put ourselves through all of that? And so they decide we're not going. Well, and then verse uh, chapter 14, if you also want to write down verse number 26 to verse number 32, the Lord says, I had enough. And he actually very specifically in, uh, I, oh, y'all don't, don't worry, y'all don't turn there. Let me go real quick. I want to look at one thing and read it to you because it's very powerful what the Lord tells them concerning their children due to this. In, in verse uh, chapter 14, and verse number 30, verse number 31 says, But your little ones, which ye said would be prey, them will I bring in, and they shall know the land which ye have despised. But as for you, your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness. Now, now that doesn't seem so bad. Hey, I'm going to take your children. Your children are actually going to get the promised land, but you're not because you refuse to go in like, like I told you to. But here's the most powerful part, number th- verse number 33. And your children shall wander in the wilderness 40 years and bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. Whoa. So the children that will go into the promised land are first going to have to spend 40 years bearing the burden of the baggage their parents created because they refused to obey God. They're going to suffer with you, and then I'm going to take them in. If they will obey me, I'll give them the promised land. Our decisions affect other people. Uh, How about, you could also look at Achan. Achan's decision to take what belonged to God affected his entire family. King Saul. King Saul refused. He puffed himself up and he said, "Ah, I'm going to do what I want to do. And instead of being humble, King Saul became like every other king of the heathens in his mindset. And because of that, God stripped the kingdom from his lineage. And his boys... Jonathan, who was honestly the opposite of his father. Jonathan, who I think probably by all standards would have made an excellent king, a godly king, 
was stripped from his future because of his father's decision. Samson. You think, well, Samson just hurt himself. No, he didn't. His parents suffered through everything Samson did. His parents struggled through everything. They begged him not to choose things against God, and yet Samson chose what he wanted. He made his decision, and his parents bore the baggage of the shame. We can go on and on and on with many others, but our decisions produce baggage. Our reactions, we're almost there, don't worry, we're almost done. Our reactions produce baggage. The way we respond to things. Now, this, is, this one right here, out of all of them, now, I know we all make some bad decisions, but this one here is probably the one I hate the most because I am, to a degree, a re- reactionary individual. I try hard not to be. I try hard to fight against it. But any of y'all that understand um, you know, being a, a pessimist by nature, reaction is just kind of part of the process. And, uh, and so it is difficult sometimes because you have something go haywire and the first thing that doesn't come to my mind is, well, glory to God, how wonderful it is that everything is bending, breaking, and blowing up. This is so great. Now God can show how strong he is and how wonderful he is as he's going to provide somewhere down in the future. I don't know when, I don't know how, I don't know what he's going to do. But, you know, hey, this breaking just gives him another opportunity. I'll just be honest with you, that's not the way I think. I look at it and say, are you kidding me? Really? But our reactions carry weight, don't they? I told you this is, not the, this is not like last Sunday. This one hits home really, really close, and it's not as much fun to look at or enjoy. But may I say, Moses in two places showed reactionary issues that hurt other people. Exodus 2, don't turn there, but Exodus 2, verse 11 through 14 is the account of when Moses saw an Egyptian doing wrong and and beating on a Hebrew and Moses in his mind, God wants me to deliver the people. And Moses thought he had the power to deliver his people in his own might and he killed the Egyptian. Then the next day he goes out and there's two Hebrews that are fighting amongst each other and he goes to stop them and say, why are you doing this? You're brethren. And they say, what, are you going to kill us like you killed the Egyptian? It's only by the grace of God and, and, and a great miracle that the children of Israel decide to follow Moses at all. Because what he did in his reactionary time carried with him for a long, long time. And he did have some struggles because his reactions lost him some respect. You could also go to Numbers chapter 20 and verse 10 through 12, and that's the account of when God told Moses to speak to the rock and Moses decided he was going to strike it twice. And because of that decision, his reaction to things, because he was frustrated with the people again, Moses is not allowed to go into the promised land. Can you imagine how much that affected the people when here it is, they're about to go in and Moses has to turn over? He still had the ability within him to lead. 
he still had the strength to lead. It's not like he had gotten old and feeble and couldn't do it anymore. No, he was still there. But when it came time to go in, God said, Moses, I told you, you're not going. Time to hand it over to Joshua. He's going to take them in. That had an effect. That, that gave a struggle for some people. All because of his reaction. There are some people that bore some baggage because of Moses and his reactions. My last thing is this. Not only our decisions but our, and our reactions, but our words create baggage. Proverbs 15, 1 through 4 gives us a great understanding of how we are to react with our words. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. The tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. Baggage. Perverseness. That which would not be holy, that which would not be godly, that which would not be right according to God's word. When my words are not proper according to what God would have them be, they produce baggage. And not baggage that anybody was supposed to have to bear. But I spewed it out. Proverbs 16, 23 through 25 says this, The heart of the wise teacheth his mouth and addeth learning to his lips. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Well, I had a right to say it. How much baggage comes with it? Well, they deserved it. Who else was affected by it? It's quiet. Gotten real quiet. And I get that. But listen, in life, there's lots of young ones represented right here. There's a lot of grandkids, a lot of kids, a lot of just people in general that we deal with. So many times, and may I say this is probably the biggest issue with social media. Um, what, we, what social media is, is just luggage sharing. Let me see if I can dump all my baggage off on you so you get all upset and ruined your day too. Matter of fact, matter of fact I'm tired of carrying all this baggage I don't want to let go of, so I'm going to get a whole bunch of people to walk with me. And then I just dump it on them and I walk off. By the way, that's what happens when we take up offense for others in something that we have no business being in. Once they, once they offload, they walk off and go about their life. And we're all, oh my goodness, I can't believe people. I can't. Oh. And then we start spewing words, attacking people we don't even know. And situations we don't even know the truth, the whole truth about. But we're going to jump on in and well, hand me all that baggage. Let me have all that baggage. Well, one day you're going to be a baggage check. And somebody's going to say, well, what was that about? I don't know. Well, why did you respond to this? I don't know. Just had a good time. <laughs> or better yet, you find out what really happened. And you're like, you feel like an idiot because mm, that person was wrong. And I sided with them. 
made me look like a fool. Then we're mad at that person for making me look like a fool. And guess what? They didn't make me do anything. I chose it. I jumped headlong. Why? Because I say, give me your baggage. I, wanna, I don't have enough of my own. I want to carry all yours too. <laughs> if all you can do is browse through everybody's baggage, get off social media. And if all we can do is get on there and start talking and get into everybody else's business, get off social media. All of it. I don't know about you, but I got enough baggage to bear in this life. I got enough struggles. I got enough problems. And my children are going to have enough as well. They don't need me adding to it. My decisions, my reactions, my words, and then we can go on and on, but those are three powerful things. If I'm not careful putting my baggage on somebody else, and they're going to go through the baggage check, they're going to go through, through customs, and they're going to be swamped while I'm free to do whatever I want, and they're trying to deal with baggage that wasn't even theirs in the first place. And it might be the very thing, by the way, may I say, that is part of the reason why we have young people just by the droves, leaving truth and getting out because I'm tired of having to bear all the baggage of all the junk I see. Go home and all we ever have is go home. We just rip this up and tear that up and you know, beat this down. And I don't believe nothing he said. Go At church, it's all wonderful. At home, it's boom, 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 boom. I'm done. I'm through. I don't want any more of this baggage. Right? We have to be careful. Do we have things we have to carry? Do we have burdens that we have? Yeah. Are there, are there consequences to my actions? Yes. But I must be very careful knowing that it affects others, not just myself. First Peter tells us this, and we're done. First Peter 5, 6, and 7 says, how do, I, how do I handle all this, Lord? You can't change the baggage of the past, but there is a place you can take it. And it's not your kid's bedroom. And it's not all your friends. It says, humble yourself, 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. Where can I take my baggage? Because you know we've all got some. Where can I take my baggage? that doesn't just burn it on somebody else and possibly mess up the next generation with it. Well, number one, let's do our best from here forward to not create so much baggage to have to carry. But the baggage from the past, take it to the only place we can leave it and it not affect anybody else. You got a problem with somebody, take it to the Lord. You got an issue with something, take it to the Lord. You've got a struggle that, that, that is possibly, you know, nobody really needs to be given all the details. God can handle the details. Take it to him. But be careful where you put your baggage. Be careful creating it. But be careful putting it in the lives of others that it just might drag them down. Who's bearing your baggage? I sure don't want to be guilty of the reason why somebody says, you know what, I'll never go back to that Bible anymore because of that person right there.
or that person right there or that pointing at me. Never want to be the person that's put so much baggage on somebody they walk away from truth. Lord, help me not to be that, that individual who just throws the baggage around. Place it at his feet. Leave it at the cross. Let God handle it. He'll help you with the, with the baggage you already have, and he'll help you not create more than you need. <laughs> That's for sure. Heavenly Father, we thank you.